Blog Talk Radio. Hey kids, good afternoon. Um, I wanted to remind everybody, yes, I thought I was late there and actually I'm by 60 seconds. I'm so sorry. Usually I'm on time. For some reason today I was having some trouble calling into Blog Talk Radio or it could just be that I am overwhelmingly, literally petrified in the most exciting way to talk to today's guests because she is so accomplished and so amazing and so incredible. It's a little intimidating. So before we get to our interview, I want to remind everybody real quickly, tomorrow's show again at 4 o'clock Central Standard Time, Steve Valentine, who happens to be the principal founder and one of the publicists, of course, that works for Valentine Group LA. Phenomenal. I can't even say enough about Steve. He is one of the top 50 of LA Weekly's most influential people. He has obviously done commentary for places like E! News as well as USA Today amongst uh, Fox News, tons of other places. He's a ballroom dancer medal winner. On top of which, one of his newest titles, which is the most exciting, which is that he's now cancer-free. He has one of the more inspiring and motivating stories that I'm going to be telling um, in general. I'm just so excited to finally get a chance to talk to him. He's a true survivor, totally sweet man, absolutely wonderful. So that's 4 o'clock Central Standard Time. One more quick reminder about my film festival, Art is Alive, filmfestival.yolasite.com is the website. It also has a Facebook page, which is Art is Alive, um, just Art is Alive Film Festival, Go to either place to see a listing of shows and screenings for the three days of the film festival. Go to the film festival website itself to purchase tickets. All of the screening blocks as well as all the feature films are all listed there. Again, it's $5 per screening, $5 per feature, $15 per day pass. You do not want to miss out on this opportunity. Great. We've got 27 screenings. We've got three different industry panels. We've got one celebrity event. We've got live music every night. We've got our closing ceremony where we have our opening jam celebrity event, which I mentioned. So I'm so excited about this, I can't tell you. I'll be doing some major heavy-duty promotion about this festival coming up soon. And five of the filmmakers that are participating are on my show next week, as a matter of fact. So it's going to be a busy time for everybody. So don't forget, Art of the Live Film Festival. Don't want to also forget one more thing before I forget. My son's comic book, again, Surgeon Seizure and the Evil Dr. Cuckoo. If you haven't ordered a copy already, please do so. As you know, we're working on a deadline of trying to get 3,600 books sold so we can fund that clinical trial. So, again, it's on Facebook, which is Sergeant Seizure and the Evil Dr. Cuckoo. There is a website established, forgive me because I forgot the name of it, and I should know because I'm mom, but if you go to the Facebook page, you'll be able to find out the name of the comic book, or the comic book website, I should say. So please go ahead and check it out. All right, thanks so much for that. So without further ado, let's get our guest on the line. We'll start doing our interview. Hello there, young lady. Hi, how are you? Uh, well, I'm nervous. I, if you were listening to me babble the last three minutes, I'm like, I always get so intimidated when I have all these really impressive, important people coming on my show. It's always very intimidating for me. So I'm kind of like sitting here like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. You're a big deal. Oh, big deal to come no, on my I'm show. No, I'm not. I like it. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh have gosh. you read your bio? Well, I've read your bio. I've researched <laughs> you. I know. It's my job to make everybody else know how incredible you are, which is why you're on the show today. So thank you very much. Um the very first question is probably the most important one I'm going to ask you um, all day today, which is, I'm afraid of mispronouncing your name. <laughs> so I want you to I know, say it's, your it's name. It's really hard. I know. So it's Kara, um, just like air in the middle, and Ruda, okay. like Gouda. Yeah. So it's uh-huh. a tough one. But once you get it, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Gotcha. I was going to say, because I was afraid to even say it. So I was like, let's just say hello, and then we can figure out how to say yeah. your name, and then we'll kind of go from there, because I was like petrified. I'm like, oh, my God. So we're going to bounce around and talk about different things that you do. And obviously, of course, our last discussion will be, of course, about your latest book, because I know that's the one that you're uh, literally touring with right now. But I think it's important for my audience to kind of get a feel for who you are, what you do, 
um, and the fact that you're a person, you know, not just an author and not just a this or a that. So we'll jump around a whole bit and talk about you and your professional life and your personal life, if that's okay with you. Um, Sounds great. All right. Well, the first thing I want to ask is, because you and I are very similar except for the fact that, well, I'm 48 and still without a husband. You are, of course, married, and I, of course, have four children. You have four children. So it begs me to ask the obvious question, which is, woman, you've got about 80,000 things going on, as do I. So I want to talk a bit about balance. Um, We talk about that a lot on my show. Because you've got a, a whole life at home, and then, of course, you've got these books that are going on and all these events that are happening all the time. How difficult do you find it to be to balance and, and kind of prioritize things and get things to work and sync well for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And um, I thought a lot about this as the kids were growing up and through my different careers. And actually, my first book for women entrepreneurs dealt a lot with uh, balance. And my personal belief is balance is something you kind of swing through, <laughs> that there's no um, set place of balance that anybody it's, – it's kind of um, – I think you can't achieve the state of perfect balance, but what you need to do in your life is is make sure you're paying attention to your own passions because the number one thing kids want are happy parents and also that you don't beat yourself up for not being perfectly in balance because that state just isn't attainable in my opinion. (laughs) That's well put as a matter of fact. When I was researching you, I noticed that one of your fans had actually written this comment down and referred to you as what, a, what is called a quote-unquote normal person. And now this is an interesting question because I've always said that anyone in a creative field, whether you're acting, directing, writing, etc., I don't think any one of us are by any means normal. So I was curious to ask you if you consider yourself to be that said normal person because I think we're all out of whack. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, I, I, I love the creative people in my life and I love that we're all a little crazy and I think that um, that that's what makes life interesting and fun and I I don't necessarily consider myself normal but I feel like I'm uh, approachable and open and warm so maybe mm-hmm. hopefully that's what that person means by normal but absolutely I think to be in any of the artistic industry you have to have a little wacky but in a good way oh, no. <laughs> Oh, definitely. I agree with you. I think that if you weren't a little off balance, you wouldn't write well. I think all of us either come from places where we're either a bit off or we've come from tragic situations, traumatic situations. I see that often, actually, in quite a number of different situations. Um, I found out, apparently, that your husband's name is Harley, which is way awesome because I ride. So I was like, oh, my God, her husband's name is Harley. How how wonderful is that? Um, And then second of all, I understand because – we have to talk about this because I'm all about shameless promotion on the show. And as I understand it, he's running for um, a congressional district seat. So we have to talk about this because I assume he's still running. Is that correct? That's current? He is still running. Yes. Yes, he okay. is. He's, so we um, need to talk about that. To so let's, okay. Let's do some promo for that husband. Talk a little bit to the folks, of course, because I have statewide all over the place and listening in. Talk to them a bit about your husband and why you feel he's perfectly suited for a position such as this. Yeah, he is running in the California um, 48th District against um, a longtime incumbent named Dana Rohrabacher. And Dana is referred to as uh, Putin's favorite congressman. He spent the recess in London visiting Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy where he's hiding out. 
so my my husband before all of that even came to light he realized that he has the gifts that can help make a difference in our district he's running against a man who doesn't believe in climate change and we're a coastal community in orange county california he believes in offshore drilling he you know all that kind of thing so my husband has been an attorney is an attorney he's a business leader and entrepreneur but he also is a very compassionate man and has four kids and really saw an opportunity to make a difference and he has a beautiful wife who's very smart and very talented herself. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in there right there, folks, just in case you didn't know that. Um, I'm well, curious to ask because I've noticed this as a trend, and, and there's no bad answer here, but I, most of the people that I interview from a creative standpoint, usually their partner is the direct opposite and has zero creativity or is high on the creative pole. So where does Harley stand on that? Yeah, he's, you know, he's sneakily creative. I would say, um, you know, we've, we've raised these kind of creative kids. I have a daughter who's a screenwriter, a son who's a singer-songwriter, another son who's created an app for rounding up spare change for charity of their choice. And uh, my oldest is in commercial real estate, but also a photographer. So I think um, he hardly, you know, when you're in business and you're, um, you have to use creativity at, at times to start things or create something that wasn't there before, even when we're talking about the business world. So I would say mm-hmm. that's where his creativity lies and seeing things that haven't existed or maybe putting things together in a different way. So I, I consider that's- him creative, just not in that kind of more traditional artsy sense, but somehow we've created all of these creative kids. So I think it comes from both of us. <laughs> that's way awesome as a matter of fact. And that begs to ask my other question, because mm-hmm. of course my four children, two of them are younger, two of them are older. And I'm curious to see where you stand on this, because you mentioned one being a songwriter, one being a screenwriter. So do you think that there was some pressure, and I don't mean inferred, because I think sometimes our kids just naturally kind of think, okay, well, because mom's a writer, of course, we have to kind of follow in that step. None of my kids are doing that. And I wasn't upset, and they thought I would be. And I was like, no, it's not that big of a deal, although I'd love for them to do it. So do you think that your kids kind of purposely did this, meaning that they kind of thought, yeah, this is the path to go, or did you encourage them at all to do so? I, you know, with my son, who's a singer songwriter, I have no musical talent whatsoever. <laughs> but um, he, oh my God. From, an, from like age six, he started playing instruments and writing songs. And so I believe that they come the way they are, and that our job as a parent is to nurture whatever that passion is inside them. So when my daughter decided to, she was in college and she, um, told me one day I'm going to move into the film school and um, take you know the screenwriting major. I was actually surprised because I hadn't told her. Well, I know she liked to write and um, she also likes to draw. She's a great illustrator, but she hadn't articulated to me that that was a path she was taking until she went to college and kind of learned about the major. So. I'm so proud of her, and I hope that it leads to many different writing opportunities because that's that's the cool thing with the creative class, right? I, I wouldn't tell her, go sit down and write a novel if that's not speaking to you right now, but maybe someday it will. So as long as you keep writing, some doors will keep opening. Oh, I agree with you, definitely, without a doubt. And that's cool to see that, too, because like I said, I think there's just something so magical about, well, and I guess maybe it's just us authors, but the the magic of words and the power that is put upon the certain right words at the right time. It's just so magical. Now, I know that you used to uh, be a columnist for the Columbus Dispatch newspaper chain. So this I'm curious to ask about. Um, That's the only forum in which I've never written before. And I know many of the people listening to my show are actually in the writing field. So if you could talk a bit about your experiences, because I think, am I mistaken in, in assuming that column writing is a little different than like 
for instance, I'm a freelance journalist, so I do 750 words or 1,000 words, and, you know, I do book review and film review. How different is it in terms of being responsible for a columnar? Tell us a little bit, I guess, basically what you did there and one of the biggest rewards of being a columnist and how that has kind of led to contributing in a good way to writing books. Yeah, what an interesting question. I'm glad you asked that. Thanks. So I started out as a a youngster person um, as far as trying to make a living, either wanting to be in journalism or be Darren Stevens, a bewitched. (laughs) So my whole (laughs) career has kind of shifted between advertising and marketing and also journalism. So my first jobs were all pretty traditional journalism uh, for a business newspaper here in Columbus, and then moved on to doing some freelance uh, editorial for the city magazine Columbus Monthly and I love magazine format writing as well the dispatch came to me and said hey do you want to do a column for us for our chain of um, weeklies which was called this week and uh, Mm -hmm. I said "Um, sure what what do you want it to be about and they said whatever you want so in that sense the column was yeah it was such a gift because I could write I (laughs) I was very active in um, community um, and fundraising and that kind of thing. So it gave me a forum to be able to put a spotlight on charities that were doing amazing things, have random observations. So my column was just kind of a gift. It was called Connections, and I wrote it for 10 years. And I, it was pretty much whatever I wanted to write about that week. So it was, it was really great. That is awesome. Well, and plus, too, obviously, there's a big difference. I don't think people understand that when you're working in this sort of structured environment, meaning for a newspaper or a magazine or a blog or whatever, you're on more specific deadlines. Whereas when a person embarks on doing their first book or tenth book or whatever, you have to be pretty darn disciplined at that point. I've been trying to tell people that because, uh, forgive me if I'm mistaken, but if you don't keep yourself on your own track, that book could be two, three, four, five years. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I completely agree. And and to that point, I mean, I was a, doing the columnist kind of as a freelancer, so I didn't have to go into the newspaper um, at all. Right. I would just submit it. And then I was having my regular job, which was in marketing at the time, too. So, And, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. If you don't keep your eye on all the balls that you want to do, then something's not going to, you know, it's going to drop. So I agree. I think the biggest point, I had a book signing last night, and a man in the audience said, you know, I have five ideas, and I keep starting them. I'm like, but you just need to finish one. Just get one finished yes. and then move on to the next yes. one. Yes, that actually is a good question to tell you the truth because last I checked, I was looking around in my box because I have this box or drawer, I should say. I swear I must have 20 or 30 ideas. I mean, it, am I just kind of maybe unrealistic in thinking that every writer has that same drawer? Do you have that same drawer of, I'll get to this one of these days or starting it but never completing it? Do you think that's just kind of a yeah. necessity for a writer? I think it is. It's a it's a great way to get your ideas, but like the kernel of ideas down. But personally, mm-hmm. I can't tackle more than one manuscript at a time, and I just feel like if you can get to the place where you're writing or typing the end, then move to the next kernel of idea. That's the way it works best for me to get things finished. Gotcha. No, I understand. In fact, I was going to ask you about that because I know you literally were in Columbus, Ohio, yesterday doing this event. So. Are you finding in the course of, this is important to talk about too, folks, because oftentimes I know people get excited, they they publish their first manuscript or book, et cetera, and then they embark on going out to these book tours. And sometimes I have found that some authors will tell me it's kind of a hit or miss, meaning that sometimes you show up and you make great networking connections with three, four people. Sometimes it's a sold-out sort of scenario. Tell us what your experiences have been like since you've started this, um, this tour in terms of with the new book. 
Oh, it's, it's exactly the same thing. It's I um, had a great turnout in Laguna Beach, my hometown, and then you know, I mean, it it just completely depends on the day of the week, the support of the bookstore, the um, what else is going on in people's lives on that. So I had one last night, Monday night in Columbus, and we had, I mean, we had a great turnout. Probably thirty people were there, but when it was mm-hmm. about to start, you know, I just looked at the sea of empty chairs. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> what if nobody comes? But you know what? And you're nobody panicking. comes, and I've had that. Yeah, but I've had that happen too. I mean, I did a um, 23 state book tour for my first book because we had to drive mm-hmm. our cars from Ohio back to California. So I'm like, let's just make a book tour out of it. <laughs> so we would roll into. Um, I I'll always remember. I think it was Lexington, Kentucky, for a book sure. signing event, and there was one man sitting there. <laughs> He was oh my really gosh. grumpy. But it's one. And, you know, that's but it's one person. And I met some great booksellers along the way. And so it's it's really about those connections as well as much as it is about attendance at an event. But events are harder and harder to pull off with a big crowd for sure. You betcha, definitely. So that means folks, if you're listening in, you need to have three things passion, persistence, and patience. Because I'm here to tell you this writing industry is not for the weak at heart. I tell this to people all the time. I'm like we have a million new formats, we have ebooks, we have Kindles, we have all these new innovations, but maybe I'm crazy in thinking that if you don't have those three components and you don't maintain all three of them, you might be doomed in this industry. But I still keep pushing people. I'm like, that's your dream you want to do it, you go after it. But folks, you got to remember, it takes so much patience and it doesn't, and obviously even you, you're a huge success story, but this didn't happen overnight for you, now did it? Was it not a cumulative no. effort over time? Of course, yeah. I had my first agent and my first uh, manuscript submitted in the late 90s and mm-hmm. um, got really close to my first deal. The acquiring editor um, died suddenly, tragically, okay. and um, hadn't sent the contract to me. We hadn't signed it. She'd called me and said she was acquiring it. So that was that was a bit of a setback. So I oh, you know, kind of went away for a few years from it and then started trying again wholeheartedly about 2011 and you know and the thing is yes it's passion persistence and it's also you have choices today so if you've always wanted to see your book and you you, you've hit a wall with agents or with the traditional publishers I love self-publishing and the way that it lets there's a lot of freedom around that so I've self-published two books I've done small press with two other ones and now this one has been blessed to have the support of Harper Collins but I wouldn't. I would say there are positives for every path. Well, and the other part of the equation is this. This is a good question to ask you because you brought up the word literary agent, and I have yet in my career to utilize one. And we want to talk about this because I know that I work in a field, and so do you, of course, where there are a whole slew of people on one side of the fence that will say to you, "You absolutely are never going to get anywhere without an agent." And then there are some people over time and persistence in other ways, and of course, agents require money and assistance and things like that. So at this point, if you were talking to a beginning writer or somebody who's getting their feet wet with their first few books, would you still recommend the literary agent even in today? Or would you say, I guess really what I'm asking is, is is it an absolute necessity to have to hire an agent to be successful at the launching of a book nowadays? I would say if I I was a brand-new author and I had a completed manuscript that I loved and I believed in, I would certainly submit query letters to reputable agents. And agents don't charge up front. So if they take you on, they're, they're actually saying they believe in you as well. And I definitely think that's worth it. If you find you've queried for 
however long you want to give yourself, you know, six months, whatever, and you're getting rejections or non-response, and you really believe it's the right time for that book to see the light of day, then self-publish. And then repeat, (laughs) you know, because Ah, each project is a, yeah, each project, each book is a different, it's almost like a little child, right? Each project's different, and each one will find its audience. And it's either going to find a big audience or a small audience, a niche audience, a broad audience. But if you believe in it, it's, it's, the audience isn't like secondary. The first thing is, is you believing enough in yourself to get your baby out in the world. And there's oh, so many up. ways to do it now. Oh, my goodness, yes. And so, of course, that's why I wanted to cover that because I think to myself, plus I've noticed in the past few years all the literary agents that I know are always so overwhelmed or overbooked all the time. So sometimes, again, that persistence and patience that comes into play because it's not always that easy to get yourself aligned with a literary agent nowadays, which folks need to keep in mind as well. Um, I'm going to note that you obviously were educated at Vanderbilt University where you got your magna cum laude in English. So people are always on two sides of the fence about this. So I want to ask you, I know obviously you come from an educational background. Have you continued, because some writers do pursue taking additional courses, meaning that they continue to study within their craft. Do you feel that that's a necessary component, um, meaning that continuing education on how to make yourself a better writer? Because obviously not all of us have time for that. Is that something you've embarked yeah. on? Will you look into that in the future? Do you feel it's a necessity? I I do. I think it's so important to continue to hone your craft and I've taken from two different really stellar online writing um, programs so the UCLA extension program I've done a lot of classes through them and the New York Writers Workshop I did some online classes through them and then of course attending conferences when you can and or even just having a local writers group that you share um, stories with and, and share craft with mm-hmm. it's it's really important in whatever field you're in to keep getting trying to improve yourself and I, I think those kind of things help you become a better writer and also all the great books on writing <laughs> that you can read and get inspired by I mean there's a lot of different ways that you can keep improving but yeah I, th- I think it's really important that's kind of what I thought, too. And, of course, the sad part is most of us become so busy. Once you get more inundated into the industry, it's tough to find that time. Sometimes you just have to make the time in terms of that. You'd be amazed how much a little extra education goes a long way. At least that's what I say all the time. And then I came across this little tidbit about you because you had posted this, and I'm assuming this is still current. That's why I'm asking. I saw that um, one of your books is actually part of the books on the subway program in New York City. Now, is that for a specified period of time and that's finished, or is that still happening? I believe that's finished. Um, it was right okay. at the week of launch. And, uh, yeah, that was such a great surprise. The publisher has been so supportive of this book, so they um, surprised me with that. And all of a sudden it was a pick, and that, that's such a great program. Yeah, so it was awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, and I was yeah. mentioning that to people because I said literally you can actually read the book. Now, if an individual wants to get the books on the subway program, because I wasn't understanding this, so do they pick it up at a particular terminal or it's right on the subway or how does that work? Do you know? As far as I understood, they leave it in different trains on the subway, but I'm not I'm not positive oh. about how like the mechanics okay. behind it. 
Oh, that's fine. I, I just I thought that was such a neat idea because I was like, hey, you can go on the subway, you can read one of her books. When you get finished, you can return it. The next person can read it, and it's 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 a really yeah. cool means to go from point A to B to C and get your name out there. That's awesome. Kudos to you, folks, New York City. Just like one of eight thousand reasons why I'm moving there eventually. I just absolutely <laughs> love that place more than I can tell you. It's like so awesome, right? It's either New York, oh, LA, yeah. or Chicago. Like one of those three. It's like it just has to be for people like us, in my opinion. Now they're very inspiring. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. So we want to talk about real living real estate because, of course, you this is a concept that you've created, and I think it's very important that you share with your listening audience what was the main motivator behind creating this and then talk a bit about the concept itself so folks understand what this is all about. Sure. And uh, let's see. So real living real estate is a real estate franchise um, concept and I'm not involved with it anymore but I did help start it back in 2000 and the we were my husband had rolled up a bunch of Ohio companies and needed a new name and so it, he asked me to get involved because I was in between like full-time jobs and I'm like all right but so I started taking a look at the brand, uh, real estate marketing imagery and messaging and it struck me as really sad that it was all targeted toward men. It would show like two men shaking hands in front of a yard sign. And I thought we have a really big opportunity here to address the number one consumer of residential real estate services, which are women who make or um, influence 91% of all real estate purchases. And aside from that, 60% of real estate agents are women as well. So if you combine this huge industry that's fueled by women serving women and this whole marketing approach to the industry, which was all targeting men, that's where Real Living was born. And so we had a round logo and we had a lot of imagery and, and messaging targeted to the number one consumer of residential real estate, which is women. And we had an opportunity to grow mm-hmm. the company we were in 22 states, I believe, before the real estate crash happened, and wow. then we went on to sell it. Yeah, we went on to sell it to uh, Warren Buffett, and so it's a Berkshire Hathaway company now. But it was a great experience, and through it, I had a chance to write that book for women entrepreneurs and tra- travel around the country and tell people to put their passions into action. And it's not too late to get started. And all of a sudden, we sold our company and. I've written this book telling women entrepreneurs to get <clears throat> get going. And I realized, Kara, you've got to get back into novel writing. That's your dream. So yeah. I kind of had to give myself a kick in the pants. And so that's when I got <laughs> to start this career. Gotcha. I see. And sometimes it does take that kick in the pants, obviously. And and what's really nice is, is that you can – the nice part about writing, folks, is that you can take a hiatus and it's acceptable. I mean, granted that you may do a book now and then four years from later, you know, you kind of veer away and then you come back to it again. It's kind of a nice flexibility about being able to use your words, which is really neat. And God knows this woman has used her words, as we're about to find out. Um, obviously, you've done a slew of different books. The one that I was most intrigued about is one that I've never read before, which is called A Mother's Day. So I'd like you to talk about that one. That's the one I picked out. I mean, obviously, there are other ones. But a Mother's Day, it just for some reason hit me because I don't know why, maybe because I'm a mom or whatever have you. But talk to the folks a bit about, um, give a bit of a summarization of that and when you did that and what was the inspiration for that book. Yeah, it, it's, that one's really close to my heart. It's a short story, and it's I believe it's free. So if you're interested in reading right. something by me, that's a good one to start with. Um, it's So it's, uh, yeah, so it's a short story. Gosh, I haven't talked about it for a while. It was Sorry. actually inspired by um, 
my son and I, my singer-songwriter now, but he was probably eight or so, and we were driving mm-hmm. downtown in Columbus going to my office he was pretending like he was sick I think from school <laughs> so I picked him up and brought him downtown and we were parked at a stoplight and um, this man leapt off the building in front of us and committed suicide and that was one of the one of the kind of impetuses I guess for this story and it's this story uh, it's not all, all as tragic as it seems, but it is a story of three moms and three different sons at different ages in life and how life can change in the blink of an eye and how it's important to try to stay connected and be there for each other. And that's kind of the story. I mean, that's just like an overview of the story. That's fun. And, yeah. and one of the predominant things that I've noticed about some of the writings that you've done is that they're just so powerful. I have a dear friend who actually does film in the same light. And I said, she never lacks passion and she never lacks power or intensity as it relates to her films. And it sounds like you might be along that same caveat is that it, I think it takes a lot of emotion. Uh, so I'm going to venture to guess that you put a lot of yourself into most of your writings or would that be a, inaccurate? I think I, I feel like we are all, um, it's important that, that the writing has a message and that there's a, point of view in the world conveyed and it's not as if I want to make you think the way I do but I'd love to sure. make you think about things and so whether it's a Mother's Day the short story or in the mirror which is really close to my heart too it's about a woman who has as you meet her been diagnosed with um, really a terrible form of breast cancer and I guess looking at the dark side of life because when I look at what goes on in the suburbs in a lot of American cities, the notion is that everybody else's life is perfect. We have this weird kind of grief denial that we think, oh, their life's perfect behind those closed doors. There's something much more beautiful than what I'm creating. And that's just not the case. And so what goes on behind closed doors of seemingly perfect lives has always kind of been the, I don't know, kind of the kernel of truth that's in all of my novels, whether, no matter how dark or light they are, whether it's a romance or a more serious uh, thriller like Best Day Ever. So I'm not trying to preach to anybody about anything, but hopefully you think a bit as you're entertained. You betcha. And one of the things that kept haunting at me yesterday was I thought to myself, and and I couldn't verify this through my, my research, hence the question, which is, have you taught before, meaning um, creative, because I know I've done, a, you know, creative writing workshops, playwriting, screenwriting, et cetera, things like that. You may not have done those things, but at the bare minimum, have you thought about or have you actually taught groups of individuals before? Because I could see with this long history that you have, you'd be quite ideal for that capacity. Oh, thank you. You know, I love it. I love a chance to stand, especially the younger people, and uh, try to inspire mm-hmm. them. My dad was a professor, so I have that kind of in my in my in my background. So I've I've done a couple guest mm-hmm. lectures before, and like I said, I had that opportunity to speak to a lot of women around the country when my other book came out. But yeah, I, I would definitely right. love to do that someday. Hmm. Interesting. And you're in California, right? I am. We live in Laguna Beach. That's that's exactly right. That's kind of what I thought. I wish you were in New York City. The reason I ask is because my film festival is coming up, and you'd be absolutely perfect to talk, actually, because we have a writer panel, oh. myself and probably three or four other people, and I'm like, oh, darn it. All, some of the best people I know are in L.A., to be truthful, because I keep interviewing L.A. people, and I keep thinking they're in New York when they're actually in L.A. or close to it. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine. 
And I don't want to forget to ask this question because I know that you must be remotely close or familiar with Orange County. I have a guest coming on the show at the end of the month, so I'm just curious if you know any of them. Um, one of the ladies is coming on from that new show, Real Estate Wars, and that actually takes place, I believe, in Orange County because they sell property in Orange County. So is there any tidbits okay. or tips or anything you can tell me about Orange County? Never been there. Never. Just interviewed people yeah. from there. So I'm like, give me the 911. And- yeah, it's um it's beautiful first of all. I feel uh, because I spent most of my my life in Ohio. <laughs> so to be able to wake up to bright sunshine and this perfect temperatured air every day is just I mean I can't believe it and hopefully people don't take it for granted because it really is a special sure. kind of <laughs> place and um yeah, it's just gorgeous the beaches and the coves and you know, you Why can that? sit outside all the time. <laughs> And um, it's, that is you know, so there aren't cool. any bugs. It's so, it's just a, it's a really special place. And um, gosh, yeah, like I said, I think we've been there almost 10 years now, but I feel like every day is such a gift. It's, yeah, it's a really special place. So you have to visit, you would oh, like it. And it's close to LA. But, well, and the other thing too is I was noticing this and maybe I'm just crazy. There are no ugly people there because I guarantee you I watched this show three times purposely because I was doing research. So I'm watching the show. They all have perfect teeth. None of them dress badly. They all have tons of money. Everything's expensive and they all look perfect all the time. Am I wrong? I mean, is that really how it is? Because I'm like, I'm afraid to talk to this person because I'm in pajamas right now, folks. Well, today because I'm cold. But you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. I'm like totally in- I feel inferior just sitting here like when I'm going to be talking to an OC person. Do you know what I'm saying? It's that whole yeah, image. it is. It is kind of crazy. You no, know, when I went to the Trader okay. Joe's for the first time, and right down the street from me, I'm like, why are all these people looking so perfect? It's like nine in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, there I is. know, right? They probably have heels and and makeup and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. god, I'm gonna still fail yeah. at this. Oh, no. It was a little intimidating, but you know what it is? There's a lot. There's a very active lifestyle. It's a very active culture. So all of a sudden you find yourself also hiking and also doing all those healthy things that you're supposed to be doing anyway. It's kind of, it makes you realize, oh, shoot, yeah, I should be, I got to get in gear. You know, it's just things that we don't think about necessarily being in Ohio because you don't have the year-round access to all that. Yeah. Oh, you bet. I'm totally jealous. And I am getting to L.A. actually in November finally, so I'm so excited because I'm in Wisconsin. Oh, good. So our weather right now, that's why I'm under a blanket right now and in pajamas because I'm freezing my butt off, folks. It's like 50 degrees here. And so when I hear you guys oh. talking about how nice it is, I'm like, I hate you. Not really, but I do kind of hate you because I'm freezing right now. So I can't wait to get there I, just, you know, for a couple of days to, like, get away. You know what I mean? Not be here mm-hmm. and not freeze, you know, because we have, like, two right. months of summer here. So I'm like, okay. Oh, I know. I I'm in Ohio right now, talking to you from Columbus, and it's um, it was sunny for a moment, and now it's getting back to overcast again. So, yeah, it's just it's you. I love the seasons; it's beautiful, but I don't like that whole grayness from October to May. It's kind of yeah, yeah. So I don't miss that part. Did I lose you? Are you there? Hello? Well, my goodness. I don't know what happened there. Are you? Oh, let me see. Okay, so you're here too, right? Yeah. Okay, you can hear me. That was the weirdest thing. I I was like reading this and I'm like, oh my God, she's gone. (laughs) I'm so yeah. sorry. And I well, didn't touch here. anything. It was 
Yeah, we're back. Oh my God, yeah. I didn't think okay. I did either. So okay, so we're yeah. back. So I, as yeah. I said, I have never been a U.S. Today, USA Today best-selling author, but that's okay because eventually I'm hoping to be if I put enough work into it. But then I'd have to give up radio, and then we would all hate that. So I'm like, okay. So she's got that <laughs> title. She has been named one of the 50 fast-growing women women-led business by Entrepreneur Magazine. She is one of top 50 women in business to follow on Twitter, which is awesome because I find it very difficult. Is it me, or does it seem as though the trend to be on Twitter is kind of decreasing with the advent of like a Snapchat and an Instagram, or is it just me? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's definitely back in the day when that um, that happened about with the Forbes thing, I, Twitter was the bomb. But now I think we have more right. options, totally. Yeah. You betcha. And I'm going to totally make you talk about this because I know that you had once said that this is one of the awards you've received that was very close to your heart, which is the Kiwanis International Humanitarian of the Year Award. So talk to the folks a little bit about how you earned that because I know that that was something very special for you. Yeah, uh, back in back in the day when I first was starting out as a, my, I think my first advertising agency job, I read an article about homeless families and how the sad part in the states, and this was you know 30 years ago, um, a mom and a dad couldn't stay at the same emergency shelter together, and if it was they had a boy child over 12, he had to be with the dad and the same for the younger kids could stay with the mom. So when you are a homeless family and the only thing you have left is each other, to split them up just seems terrible to me. So I uh, rounded up a group of, I think we ended up being about 300 volunteers and we raised money and started a public awareness campaign and created Columbus's first shelter for homeless families way back when. And so that's what the award was um, based on, which it was an amazing experience. And it's, you know, it it was a great example of what a group of motivated young people can do to change the world. And it was called Make Room Columbus. That's so awesome. That is. It's so commendable. I absolutely love it when people take their time and invest themselves in other people. I don't think people realize, especially in the advent of 2017 and all the stuff that's going on in our world, I I cannot impress upon you folks enough how important it is to take five minutes, five hours, however much time you had out of your life to benefit someone in some way, whether it's physically, mentally, financially, or otherwise. I say this all the time because I think there's just not enough of that going around in the world. Without a doubt. So well, congratulations for that. That's a big deal. That truly is. That's oh, huge. thank you. Yeah, it was it was oh, an amazing moment in time. Yeah, well, I believe that definitely. Now, you obviously, want to talk about the book that I get in my mailbox. And yes, folks, I have the best job in the world because I get books done to me that I get to read, and I totally get excited about it. Your book was different from the last gal that I read. First of all, um, just to give a little bit of backstory, the name of the book is called Best Day Ever, and that's the one that you're currently promoting. It, it examines examine the relationship of a couple um, who are looking at their life and their love and their level of happiness and trust. And and it's very deep and it's very interesting. And I don't want to give away too much. I want to ask the author, first of all, um, I I was wondering if this book took you longer than most. For some reason, I got the feeling as though you kind of elongated on writing this one versus some of your other projects, but I could be wrong. We're about to find out. Yeah, this one came out really quickly. It was surprising because oh. I was in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, and that's funny. I wonder why you felt that way. Um, but well, I just it get that sense, like quickly. when you read it, like when you're reading some of the. Well, you've read your own material, right? That's my next yeah. question. Meaning, when you get done writing it and editing it, you go back and read it again, like once it's in print, etc. Or are you kind of like, yeah, let's just put that on the shelf now, because some people. Oh do no! That. Yeah, I just I put it on the shelf. <laughs> Oh my God! Really? You need to read yourself. Oh, yeah. 
I'm serious. You do. Read yourself. Oh, gosh, really? Okay. Yeah, you're yes, probably you're right. right. It's intriguing. It's thrilling. It's so thrilling because it's like it's your that, word. I, okay. You're right. I should. I, I was on you have the to promise me. You have to promise me that okay. you can never come back on my show. You have to read one of your books okay. in book I form. promise. You have to read it. Read. You have to report my, back I'm reading how this it was. Let me know how the author okay. was. Let me know if you liked it or not. Just kidding. Maybe I'm a no, great like I don't know. No, oh honestly, gosh. it's like I think it's some form of self-validation in some ways because I'm the same way. Like I can preach it, but I guarantee you. Until I, I did a, one book about all my radio guests. Until then, I refused to listen to any of my shows ever. I'm like, I won't do it. Now I still won't do it, but I'm better at it. You know, like, okay, I'll force myself to listen yeah. if I have to, but I don't like it. So I get what you're talking about, but I think it's important for validation for yourself. You need to be there. You know, it's there's something surreal about watching your own self in print and reading it and, and reliving those memories that you wrote so long ago. You'll see what I mean when you read it. You'll know. You'll all see. right. All right. But I will. You're not okay. going to read it right now because we're on the air, but I'm just saying you got to do that. So tell us a bit about, share what would you wish to share with the audience in terms of, if I, if I were to ask you the top three reasons why somebody should go get best day ever tomorrow and spend their weekend reading it, why your book? Why this one? Okay. I would say it's if you like psychological or domestic suspense, it, it's a, mm-hmm. right in that vein with Gone Girl, Girl on the Train, behind, you know, all of those. And it's a little unique because it's told from a male perspective. So it's a first-person male right. narrator, which I didn't realize was unique, but apparently it is. So that makes that's one. Um, second, right. I would say it's a really quick read. It takes place in 24 hours. So the, um, the story is... I, I hope compelling, and what I've heard from other readers is that, that people have been reading it really quickly and that they will stay up overnight <laughs> to finish it, which is, you know, one of the best um, compliments somebody writing in kind of the suspense and thriller world can get, yeah. at least to me. And three, I think you should read it because there is a surprise at the end, and one of the characters has a, hopefully a quiet confidence that you start feeling from the beginning of the book, but really comes to light towards the end. That was really well done, actually. And more importantly, she wrote it. She totally wrote the whole thing, and you should buy it because it's like one of 16 books she's done. 16, Um, which is probably 12 more than me at this point in time, but I'm actually moving into film now. So technically, if you add up my films and plays, I'd be almost as close as she is. Um, one of the coolest things that I noticed about this last particular book is I've been told, because I haven't read all of them, but I've been told that your tone somewhat changes from book to book. Would you concur with that? Definitely. I have uh, two romance series where, you know, uh, those are written to a formula, which is beautiful, and there's happy ever afters, and that is what you're supposed to have in romance. I will say that some of them have a little deeper uh, you know, maybe a little bit more darkness than most people are used to in that because I tend to have a little right. dark underbelly and everything. Um, so, yeah, I I think this one's definitely the darkest of my books as far as uh, tone. But all of them, if you look under the surface, do have some deeper meaning and some darker themes going along. You betcha. So I guess my other question to you is, is um, I, would, I want to know out of all the characters you've written, are any of them you or are all of them some part of you? Yeah, I, I think the answer to that is all of them are some part of me. And ah. 
somebody somebody asked me this question and she works with artists all the time and she said what do you say when somebody said ask you how long did it take you to write a book and I said oh I don't know it just depends on the book and she goes no it doesn't depend on the book it the answer is it takes a lifetime and her point being <laughs> is that every experience that you have and every person you meet and every good or bad especially the bad is what makes you the author who you are and so each time you write a story or write a screenplay or write anything that moment in time it'll never be that moment in time again and you'll never be exactly the same as that again but it captures that in a fictional way and that's kind of and probably why I should be going back and reading them to your point but so anyway hopefully that answers your question it totally did, actually, because I just find that most of the time when I speak to a screenwriter, regular writer, producer, or otherwise, there's always some version of themselves somewhere in some of their writing, um, except for Absolutely. me. I never write about me. That's my goal for this coming <laughs> year is I'm definitely doing a project that involves me, but I have to hide myself well, so no one figures out it's actually about me. So that's right. one of those things. I did challenge myself this year, and that was the other thing I was going to mention to you is do you think that you would ever adapt any of these into screenplays which eventually would lead to the film circuit? Because I could definitely see that happening. Just my opinion. Yeah, I, I, yeah thank you. I, I, you know, I'd love to see any of them as a film, but I would probably leave the screenplay to either my daughter or another professional. I, nice. I, that, that format doesn't speak to me as much as as novels do I mean maybe that'll change over time but yeah it's just such a tight different way to write that yeah oh yeah definitely it is and some people just take but well and some people take a little time maybe after you read your own writing you might say you know what I like that author's work and maybe we should put it (laughs) on the big screen so people can see it just a thought I'm just going to throw that out there I know I'm a pain in the ass but I'm here to tell I'm like a major so motivator. It bothers me a lot. I'm like, I, I feel it necessary to have to motivate those in the same field. Because sometimes you need that. I think it's really important. I don't think people realize you get so kind of caught up in doing all this other stuff. You forget that little maintenance that comes involved, our regular maintenance, mm-hmm. like having me time, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff is very right. important. Now, I know I want to talk about the next two events that are coming up. First of all, I want you to tell folks, October 11th and 12th, I know you're at um, BoucherCon 2017. Talk about that, meaning where is it, what is it, what are you going to be doing there? Yeah. That's the first thing and it's I my first. Up. Yeah, it's my first uh, time to go, and I think it's BoucherCon, but I could be pronouncing it wrong. Um, yeah, and no, it, you are right, Bobby. See, I can't okay. even talk. I can't pronounce uh, words. Well, no, I don't say anything. No, I, I can't pronounce it. I've never been, so I can't tell you a, I can't tell you a snippet about it because up until this point, I've been going to the Romance Writers of America uh, meetings and the Women's Fiction Writers oh. Association meetings, and so I haven't been to the Crime Writers in the U.S. meetings, so this will be my first one, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. And, yeah, it looks like just a bunch of panels and a bunch of opportunities to network and hear from people who've been in the suspense and thrill, thriller world forever, so I'm excited. And it's in Toronto. Oh, imagine. You betcha. And, of course, you, I'm wondering if you do know or if you don't know. I'm assuming that this isn't a sold-out scenario, so I'm guessing that you could probably still get tickets to attend this. I think so. I think because it's for readers and authors. It's a place, a, a convention for authors, yeah, to meet readers, which is really amazing. So I'll be the person standing in the corner someplace not knowing anybody. And uh, <laughs> that's that's my prediction for my You're like, hi, fun, I mean. Yeah, here I am. It's my first book. We got a red cover. Oh, you're so silly. It's ridiculous. 
No one could not recognize you in a crowd. I'm telling you, folks, look her up. When I give you all these different ways to find her, you'll say, oh, my God, she's so breathtaking. It's ridiculous. And she can write. And she's intelligent. And she's successful. I hate you in the best way. I just had to throw that out there. Now, before I forget, I want to remind everybody, of course, about November 19th at 5 o'clock, you're going to be at Lido Village Books, and that's in Newport Beach. So that is a signing, if I'm not mistaken? That's your next Correct. one, or did I miss one? Okay. I no, just you're, sure. you're right. That's my next one. And, yeah, okay, hopefully gotcha. people will show up. <laughs> okay. And they, they don't, don't I'll just chat. Does it, does it begin at 5 o'clock, or you kind of um, mingle with people, and then it starts at a specified time, just so we understand that? Yeah, it begins at 5, and, like, last night it began at 7, and we started the program about 7.15. So, you know, gotcha. we oh, let people come in it. and get settled and, and give it a shot. Oh, you betcha. Now, my other question to you before we do the wrap-up on all this, because we've – can you believe this? I always ask people this all the time because this is just for me because I, I admitted to you that I never listen to myself. So I don't even know off the time. All by the time we get done, we'll have been on air almost an hour, and these hours go by so quickly. So I'm like, is it just me? Do I imagine that it goes that quickly, or did it seem like no. it was long? Like, does it seem like it's no, an hour? No, it went fine. I mean, done no, doing my job. No, it doesn't seem like an hour Okay, at all. well, good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay, now yeah, it's really here's fun. my question to you, because here you are today in 2017. So if we go five years down the road, where do you want to be at that point in time? What do you want to have done, or, or do you have one particular goal or some big something special you want to accomplish in the next few years that you haven't done yet? Gosh, that's a really good question. Well, hopefully my husband will be elected because he's working really hard to do that. Yeah. Um, that would be one thing. Two, I'm really um, feeling blessed in life right now, so I'm going to knock on wood really quick and say that um, every everything's kind of unfolding, and I get to live on the beach, and I have a great publisher right now. So if this could kind of keep going the way it's going, it would be amazing and kind of what I always saw for my life, I guess. And, and I will add, is my, my four kids are happy too, so that's that's the key. Of course, you betcha. But I didn't hear the words. Y'all probably do like two more books between now and then. <laughs> well, I do. I, this, I didn't hear uh, that. It's the first book. The first book of a two-book contract, so I will have another book coming out from Graydon House, yay. probably in yay, um, early 2019 is what they're predicting. So that will definitely happen, oh, and hopefully another, yeah, hopefully another 10 or 20 books after that. Of course, that would be absolutely awesome, wouldn't it? Now, um, and yeah. it's interesting you were talking about the whole the whole bit of the next book, and just for future reference, folks, because she didn't have an answer. My last book took me nine months. And, of course, it was about a number of different people, but just to give some sort of timeline because you were talking about that. Because sometimes it can be a very quick process, and sometimes it can be more elongated depending on who you are and what you do. Um, But I commend you merely for the fact that you have written 16 publications that have touched countless numbers of lives. I don't think authors ever hear that enough. So um, I'm an author with absolutely no sense of uh, vanity or ego whatsoever. This is why I interview authors all the time because I don't think there's enough of us doing that. So um, at the end of the show, I'll tell you what I think of you, and that'll be a part of it. Because that's part of the show is I get to tell you what I think of you. And I do that (laughs) because it's not scripted. That's the only thing that I don't write up or write about. I write my own questions. I do all of this stuff on my own. And then at the end, I get to tell you that because I think it's important. I don't think um, people get to hear that enough. So 
there's a couple quick business things here I want to do. First of all, to let you know, to anybody that follows you or, or fans or listeners or friends, about two hours after this show is done, it becomes archived. And then what I'll do is I'll send over the link um, from Blog Talk Radio. Then I upload these onto YouTube as well. So I'll send one link for YouTube. I'll send one link for Blog Talk Radio. And then you'll have both copies, you know, for your own promotion, etc. I don't want to forget um, Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie with Get Red PR, another fantabulous client. She is so, so truly thorough and fabulous. She's had some of the best clients. We just started working together, as a matter of fact. And she sent me her book. And I, I hate to be one of those people that says, um, I did whip race through the book because I had so many to read, so I haven't finished it yet. So don't hate me. I've tried to finish your book, but I didn't have time because I have too many to read, so I'm sorry. But Anne-Marie, a huge, huge, ha- a huge thank you and a huge hug from me to you. If you folks are looking for any needs, get Red PR. Anne-Marie, look her up. She's phenomenal. I can't even say enough about her. Now, I'm going to read off a list. It's probably going to take about three minutes because that's how many places you're in, just so that you know you on the other end of the phone. So when I get finished, um, just let me know if I've missed anything. So our guest okay. today can be found on the following places. IndieBound, iBooks, Goodreads, Tumblr, YouTube, Google+, LinkedIn, Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, and Pinterest. She has both a personal page as well as her Facebook page, and it's, it's Kara. Did I get that right? Kara. Kara. You did. Kara. You're right, Kara. Okay, and Kara is spelled K-A-I-R-A, and her last name is spelled R-O-U-D-A. That's Kara Ruda Books. Her Instagram is the same name. The website is com, And, of course, uh, her Twitter handle is the same name, at Kara Ruda. Any other place where we can find you? Because that's a whole lot. <laughs> that is, wow. I think that's plenty. <laughs> yeah, that's plenty. <laughs> I mean, are you aware of the fact that you're on all these places? I'm like, oh, my God, is she aware of that? Because I know I'm out there, but I'm like, oh, my God, that's huge. Huge. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I, you know, uh, well, I, yeah, I funny looking. Um, so that covers all the different places to find her. So the last thing that we get to do on this show is I get to tell you what I think of you. So you get to rest, sit back, and listen while I spend the next two minutes talking about you. Prepare yourself. I never know the reaction that's going to happen. Like some people say nothing, and then somebody cried once. And then somebody was like, just so moved, they didn't even, I mean, it was weird. So we'll just see how this goes. So these are my impressions of today's guest. Um, And I do this primarily because anybody can be a journalist and research what's on the Internet or read books, et cetera. Um, But the reason I do this is it it comes from my heart. And why? Because it's not written. So it's it's not scripted. There's nothing that's pre-made. This is just off the top of my head, my feelings and impressions based on researching you and now talking to you. These are my impressions of the good author herself. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the hour when we first started the interview, um, I was already intimidated by the fact that she has a Google uh, number of books more than I have ever done. But then I took a good look at her, and I saw her beautiful face, and I saw her disposition in public places and all the various different places she's gone, people she's spoken to, projects she's taken on. And I thought to myself, holy hell, how am I possibly going to get a good impression across to this woman? So I thought, I'll use humor. I'll use intelligence, a lot of journalistic research, and I'll just try to be myself. Um, one of the things that I've discovered about you that I find so interesting is that your intensity in your professional life matches your intensity in personal life, meaning that it seems as though you have the same amount of passion and purpose for your family, for your friends, for your books, for your projects, and for everything that you do. You have made, and as I started to say earlier, 
countless numbers of positive impressions upon every single person that's ever read your book. And how do I know this? Not because I pulled every single one of them, but I'm of the firm belief as an author, our job is to entertain, educate, motivate, and inspire other individuals. 16 times over now, you've had thousands and thousands of people read your words and have cried or have laughed or have smiled. You've caused emotion, you've caused empathy, and you've touched hearts and you've melted the minds of others in the best possible way. That alone is commendable, on top of which the charitable acts you were talking about earlier, you have created four beautiful children and you're helping a human being that is your husband to become the better part of himself. If this is the modicum of an absolutely marvelous person, I don't know what other definition there could be. I'm so very honored that you came to my show today, not just because Anne-Marie said you were that wonderful, but because you proved yourself to be that warm, that welcoming, that witty, and that wealthy as it relates to intelligence and charm and charisma. I think you are going to do fabulous with this new book because it really is that wonderful. And I do hope that if I've served you well, that you'll consider coming back and that you'll sign my book when I come to, um, to L.A. in November because I might very well be able to make it to your signing. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. <laughs> so that's Thank what you I think so much you. for Those all my impressions. Well, you're quite Thank welcome. You. I think I... people don't get to hear that enough. They just don't. So there was my oh, two gosh. Thank you so much. You made me cry. <laughs> Oh, my damn it. Why am I always making people cry? I'm just telling the truth, folks. It's not like I'm making any stories up here. It's just one of those things. Very, very true. But if you come back on my show and you want to come back on my show again, unless you can prove somehow that you've actually read your own material, we got a problem. So you better make sure you've read one of your books. I know it's tough. We I could send deal. you a list of your books. I, I mean, I could send you a list in case you not know them. Okay. I, I've got them on the shelf. I um, will get to Thank it. Thank you. I think that's a great idea. See? I appreciate And definitely okay. try to get it done. Because you don't want me showing up okay. at a signing and you don't have your book. I know. Because I'll be like, I can't stay here because you haven't read the book. Why don't you read the book and I'll come back? How about that? There okay. you go. Yeah, I hope you've had a wonderful yeah. time. This has been great. Thank I mean, you. It's been terrific. It's and been we really did it in fun. a whole hour. Awesome. Yay. And I will make sure okay, to send you, you. What is it now? It's like 2 o'clock. I'll send it over between 4 or 5 o'clock. I'll get you the links over to that. And, and good luck if I don't get a chance to get to the signing, but I will get to meet you eventually. Thank okay, you. I'll look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you, okay. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. You too. I don't know what it is, folks. I got this knack for making people cry. I just I don't understand. Well, hopefully with any luck at all, you've enjoyed today as much as I have. One more time, the lovely and talented Kara Ruda. She's on IndieBound, iBooks, Goodreads, Tumblr, YouTube, Google+, LinkedIn, Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, Pinterest, and Barnes & Noble. The website, again, is com, And, again, it's spelled K-A-I-R-A-R-O-U-D-A.com. Her Instagram, same name, Kara Ruda, as well as Twitter handle, at Kara Ruda. And then she has a personal page for Facebook, as well as Kara Ruda Books. Again, one more time, my very deepest appreciation and admiration to Anne-Marie at Get Red PR. If you have any PR needs, please reach out and visit her at Get Red PR. And again, one more time, thanks so much today for my guests for coming on the show today. It was wonderful, Kara. I truly enjoyed it. Again, one more reminder tomorrow, Steve Valentine, 4 o'clock Central Standard Time on the show. I'm going to spend my next hour and a half relaxing before I have to get my kiddos, and then we have to decorate all in the freezing cold for Halloween. I thank you so much to every person listening in today, and hopefully you guys will get a chance to tune in tomorrow. Have a great evening. <laughs>